0: Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta Back in 2014, after uh, the 50-day military conflict between Israel and Hamas Alan Johnson gave a speech uh, about the six myths regarding Hamas Uh, That speech was just uh, reissued today, and it is stunning Uh, how relevant it is given what we've seen in public opinion regarding Hamas and Israel. Alan is a senior research fellow at the Britain-Israel Communications and Research Center and editor of its journal, Fathom. He's also the editor of the book, Mapping the New Left Antisemitism, the Fathom Essays. And you can learn more about his work at bicom.org.uk. In fathomjournal.org, dot org, and we'll have all these contacts uh, for you at our website as well. Alan, good to have you with me. Thank you.
1: Thanks for inviting me Al. So,
0: give us some idea of what public opinion is like uh, among the British concerning this, uh, the October seventh and its aftermath.
1: Well, I think there's two. There's a split in British public opinion. I think, obviously, there's huge demonstrations in London, ostensibly for the Palestinians, but often on those demonstrations, it's pretty openly for Hamas, some people even shouting for jihad. Mm -hmm. So I think there's people, I would say, generally speaking, on the far left of British politics and many in the Muslim communities, influenced by Islamism, who are are very, very anti-Israel, tearing down posters of the kidnapped, shouting for... Palestine from the river to the sea and so on. I think for a lot of Britons, though, there's a a lot of resentment in that. This weekend is our remembrance weekend, where we solemnly remember our war dead, and the Palestinian campaign has refused to call off its demonstration, which is going to coincide in the middle of London. That's caused a lot of resentment in Britain. And I think a lot of Britons do see exactly what Hamas is, which is a terrorist organization, attacked Israel in the most barbaric way on October the 7th, and they, um, they really oppose that. What often happens, though, and I'm sure it's the same in your country, is that those who, who shout the loudest often get the most attention, and that's certainly what's happening with the demonstrations in, in London. Yes.
0: I mean, it is amazing here, especially on college campuses, where we see students uh, happily chanting um, uh, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, and it—it's hard to imagine them saying that, uh, smiling, uh, when in fact the the (laughs) the meaning of the phrase is the obliteration of Israel. Uh, You you have to wonder: Do they realize that? Uh, So it's it's hard to know. For me, it's hard to know.
1: Um, Yeah, I think there's again there's probably two groups. I think the organizers of the demonstration certainly know exactly what they're calling for, which is the obliteration of Israel, which, by the way, is the very word used in the Hamas charges yeah. <laughs> Founding Principles from 1988. I think there's a lot of other people who don't like war, as none of us do, who who see the scenes on their television and they want it all to end, and they'll, they'll join the demonstration on that basis. But sure. It is, it is a Hamas slogan, and it only has one meaning for Hamas, which is the obliteration of Israel. Yeah.
0: Let's go over, you, you cited uh, myths, six myths about Hamas. If you don't mind, I'd like you to just run through those for us. The first myth being... Um, well, the first myth
1: is that the blockade that Israel has over Gaza was motiveless and cruel and unnecessary and that Hamas's rocket attacks only began once the blockade started. This more or less of history. What actually happened was that Israel left Gaza in 2005. The rockets began immediately, by the way. Mohammed DF, the Hamas bomb maker, uh, started the rockets immediately and timed them for the school run around Surat and so on. Um, Hamas controlled the whole of Gaza from 2007 when it carried out a coup. Through from rooftops, its Palestinian rival, Fatah. And at that moment, not just Israel, but also Egypt instigated uh, the controls around Gaza to stop it being used as a base for terror against those two countries. So that's the first myth, that the blockade was motiveless and cruel, when in fact it was absolutely necessary to prevent Hamas using it as a terror base. The second myth is that Hamas wants peace and is being ignored by Israel. Hamas considers the killing of Jews and the obliteration of Israel to be a religious duty. It wrote those commitments into its founding charter in 1988, which says there's no solution except jihad. Yeah. Um, it, it cites a canonical hadith, and kind a of hadith is kind of second in line to the Quran itself. It's supposed to be the, the authorized sayings of the prophet. Um, and one of those hadith, which is in the Hamas charter, talks about, in the end times the Jews will all be killed and the trees themselves will shout out there's a Jew hiding behind me come and kill him mm. and that's written out into the Hamas charter a Hamas leader last week talked about wanting two, three, four October the 7th until Israel was no more the Hamas children's television if if, if your listeners go online and google this pretty easily you'll see the shows there which have been captured by an organization called memory and you'll see the translations and they're they're really educating the children from a very early age to to be anti-semitic and to want to kill jews so it's simply not true that Hamas wants peace the the third myth is that the rockets are no big deal and Israel should simply live with them and that Hamas' military threat doesn't really amount to very much. Again this is totally untrue. Um Hamas now has about thirty to forty thousand operatives, so thirty thousand rockets, it has drones, it has SEAL teams, um, it has Iranian supplied missiles, um, which can really reach as far as Tel Aviv even further. The Iran's FATA one one oh missile is ballistic, it has uh, 200 kilometer range it has a warhead of 500 kilograms and really what's happened in israel since october the 7th thing is the understanding that this is now an existential fight for the country it's a fight for its existence Hamas will keep coming again and again it will acquire what acquire whatever weaponry it can or be supplied that weaponry from iran until it pursues its goal so it's an existential question now for israel to to move into Gaza, and to remove Hamas. I think the fourth myth is that Israel targets civilians in Gaza. Again, totally untrue. Um, The dilemma is an excruciating one, which is how do you stop a terrorist organization which has implanted its personnel and its weapons in civilian centers, hospitals, schools, residential sites. What, What Israel does is it gathers intelligence, it issues warnings, and it limits its use of its own firepower. The result of those uh, actions are that, and obviously every civilian death is a tragedy, no one wants to see any civilian deaths. But when you look at the ratio between combatant and non-combatant deaths, so non-combatants being civilians, your country and mine certainly do a lot better than the Russians and the Syrians of this world. Yeah. Israel, in its conflict, does better than your country and my country. It, it, it has achieved some remarkable numbers in terms of managing to keep civilian deaths down. So, again, that's a myth. The other myth is I think that media reports, reporting from Gaza is free and that we can trust what's coming out of the information from Gaza. It's simply not true. Um, Gaza controls, intimidates, and manipulates the media. Um, the Foreign press Association... Um, issued a report about exactly this in 2012, that its own reporters were being intimidated by Hamas. So they they weren't supposed to report that rockets were inside schools. They weren't supposed to send out the wrong kind of photographs and so on. The media has remained quite credulous, though. And the the, the real example of this was, of course, on October the 17th, when the media, including the BBC, managed to accept uncritically. Hamas propaganda about what had happened at the hospital that night, and it yeah. went around the world. So the world was told that Israel had bombed a hospital, and there were more than 500 deaths. And that that was put out by your New York Times, Washington Post, BBC. The BBC reporter John donison even said, "I can't imagine any other um, you know uh, perpetrator in Israel for this." Which was an incredible thing to say because everybody knows that in previous conflicts about 20 percent of Hamas rockets are what's called fall shorts they fall short of reaching Israel and they, they strike areas within the Gaza Strip uh, and it turned out that this is a actually one of the smaller uh, terrorist groups Palestinian Islamic Jihad who'd fired a rocket it didn't hit the hospital it hit the, the car park of the hospital it didn't kill 500 people I think there was some dozens um, killed but, but the that the word had gone out around the world. So there's a real problem with accepting the media reporting out of um, Gaza. And the last myth is just, it's um, perhaps a harder one to grasp, but as soon as you, you get the idea of it, you see it all the time, which is people seem to think Palestinians have no agency, have no choice, and therefore have no accountability and no responsibility for what they do, but that Israelis have all the responsibility and all the accountability, then this really infantilizes the Palestinians as a kind of, a kind of racism of low expectations. So whatever the Palestinians do, it seems to be excused and blamed on the Israelis. So when the Palestinians came over the border, by the way, in battalion strength, in huge numbers, and carried out the most barbaric attack, mass murder of jewish people since the holocaust Mm -hmm. in this country it was only hours before some people were marching in the streets in favor of the glorious resistance and this is a it's a view that i think is being pushed out from the universities from academia for decades now and it's spread from there into all of our institutions um and this is a really crude view of the world which splits it into two camps really there's a bad camp which is America and Britain and Israel and the West, and it's called colonialist and racist and imperialist and capitalist. And the good camp is anybody shooting at the bad camp. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it doesn't really matter what the people in the bad in, in the other camp are say. They can be the most reactionary people. They can be against women's rights. They can be against uh, equality. They can be dictators. But as long as they're shooting at the bad camp or bombing the bad camp, they're seen as the resistance. And this is a complete loss of a moral compass yeah. um, so that you end up with young students on campuses. Uh, I think I've read about one of your the liberal arts college campuses where they created a shrine to the martyrs of the resistance and they were placing teddy bears on it. This is a serious problem for Western societies when our young people have lost their moral compass to this extent. But the universities have been pumping this out. So if you take a figure like Judith Butler, who's an American academic, no one's really more faded than her on the campuses, and she said, Um, It's very important that we understand that Hamas and Hezbollah are progressive and part of the global left. This is amazing. So there's this inversion of reality and inversion of morality going on, and there's a real crisis and a real task for us to to reach these students and and give them a different perspective.
0: Alan, let me thank you for taking the time to be with me today. Very helpful. And um, yeah, it is uh, so frustrating. Thank you. Thank you.